Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the aftermath. After a brief respite during the holidays, we are back. So Daniel, it's been like, what, six or eight weeks since we've done this? Yes. Uh, all yeah. of Advent, a couple of weeks since Christmas. Yeah. So we've got lots to sort of talk about, but what's on the top of your, your list or your mind this morning? I've survived. Corona, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that, well, but we are, we're talking about it now. Yeah, I, I did survive uh, coronavirus. Yeah, as that's did my part wife, of the reason. So for our uh, absence for a little while, was you recovering and then? Yeah, like, um, yeah. and I gotta say, like, it was miserable. <laughs> like, so to those of you who are like, you know, maybe uh, iffy on this thing, like, hey, you don't want to get it. So yeah. uh, we're being a little more cautious now, like, right. and we had taken you know precautions, but like. Yeah, it was kind of, it was, uh, there were like three days where I was like, oh no, I, I've, I've messed up and <laughs> now I'm going to die, <laughs> yeah, uh, which, yeah. you know, it's not funny, but like, you know, in the, in the moment I was just praying and crying out to God, like, help me Lord. Yeah. Like, cause it, it was miserable, but, right. uh, we're back in action, uh, feeling much better. I think I've regained, uh, what lung capacity I lost during being sick. So that took me quite a while. Uh, editing the audio files was hilarious for like the first couple of weeks because there was a lot of me breathing. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that was funny. Yeah, we're, we're certainly glad that you and your family have survived that ordeal. And um, obviously we've had a couple other people in the church yeah. that have had it. And so far we've seemed to have had everybody recover, uh, I guess more or less without incident. That's good. We're thankful for that. But, so as you're thinking back over Advent and the things we've been talking about and since then, what's important to you or do you want to talk about this morning? I really enjoyed the, the Advent series, the hope, hope, joy, faith, and peace. Yeah. 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 So coming from uh, a background where we don't have Advent season, like there's not that every year where we, where we go through that. Um, I really enjoyed um, actually taking the time to enjoy the birth of Christ. This for me has been probably the best uh, Christmas season, um, even with getting coronavirus, like it's been the best Christmas season that I had just because of the understanding uh, um, that I that I got of the birth of Christ. Um, and like something that just blew my mind that, that you and I talked about is that it wasn't expected that God would come. And what was expected is that, you know, this this uh, savior would come and would be a leader of an army or a leader of the, the kingdom and, and just kind of restore the Israel of the past, you know, but Jesus didn't show up as anything anybody thought he was going to be. He, he showed up as God. And uh, that was for me, just blowing my mind every single, the realization of that and the revelation of that for me made everything new this year. Uh, maybe enjoy a season that kind of like sometimes I'm like, oh, are we talking about this again? Like, yeah. But it was it was this year I felt very refreshed doing it because of the the new bit of revelation that I had. So oh, good. So uh, like, <laughs> so do you want to talk about like last week at all, or you want to pop into? Yeah, no, like, we can talk about whatever. I don't uh, care. Yeah. This so. last week, your uh, first of all, the video was awesome. Like the the whole lead up to your point, you're driving. And when you get to your point, you're at the park and you want to share your, like a little, your uh, a little an, analogy. Or analogy yeah. yeah. So this, I mean, it's an analogy that I've found useful. I mean, it's a little silly because it's a playground analogy, but I mean, it's not, doesn't, it's not monumental or earth shattering. Yeah. I just enjoyed the storytelling but, with this, man. Oh it was yeah. So cool. Okay. So yeah, I just think and this was years ago. It was a conversation in a small group we had. It just dawned on me that we were talking about particularly that day, God's rules for life and sort of the, the boundaries that he sets and, the people in that conversation were, you know, were kind of struggling with all the rules 
that they felt themselves sort of being thrust on themselves in the ways that they were going to have to sort of change their lifestyle and behavior and the ways that they were thinking. And just dawned, like I, I had this picture in my mind about, you know, like being five, six years old on the playground at the school that I went to, the line of kids just kind of like huddled at the fence, which was literally like right up against the road. Uh, and just kind of like we sat and watched the cars. And I mean, I can remember thinking like, man, I want to go to that. You know, there's a big field on the other side of the road. Like I want to go over there and play. As I was hearing people talk about the boundaries that God set on us, I'm sitting here thinking about this playground and like, it's much like that in that like the boundaries are that fence line and God's saying here, this is the place you can play. And so often we find ourselves sitting at the fence, looking outside, wishing we can go play there, not realizing that if you just turn around, there's a whole bunch of fun, right? Yeah. Like all the games, all the other kids are in there playing. By and large, most of the days you go to the playground as kids, you're running around playing games, you're four square and, you know, jungle gyms and swing sets and all that kind of stuff, uh, having a blast. But, you know, there are the times when we kind of like just stare outside and wish we could go over there. <laughs> um, but then the other piece we talked about on Sunday was like, um, or that Sunday, a couple weeks ago, was you were brought to a playground, you come in and there's a teacher or a, an adult or whatever supervision just sitting there explaining all the rules, explaining the games to you, talking about what fun you can have, but everybody just sits there and stares at them. Like, that's not a playground you wanna go play on. Right? right. If you know, Like if you walk in, you're gonna turn to your mom and be like, mom, I wanna go somewhere else. And unfortunately that's so often what churches do. We sit around and we talk about all the rules and the ways we ought to behave and things we ought to do. But a lot of us never actually get around to standing up and going and playing and, and doing the things of Christianity and that is, life together. Like we don't spend time with each other, having fun, doing the things we're told to do that we're called to do, uh, which are challenging certainly, but at the end of the day, that's what makes life fun and enjoyable and meaningful. I also wonder to what extent does it inform? I, you don't want to push a metaphor too far, right? But right. I do think there's a parallel as those who are trying to expand the family, expand the kingdom of God, you know, spread the message, evangelize, whatever term you want to use for that. It doesn't do any good to go around just talking about the fence. Uh, I mean, so often we lead with sin and the rules and things that people shouldn't be doing and they should be doing. When instead, if we actually talked about Jesus and yeah. this life that we're experiencing together and the fun of Christianity and in this metaphor, like the fun that's to be had on the playground, well, that's what's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you just talk to a kid about a fence, <laughs> like they're not gonna wanna go play yeah. on that playground. Can you, can you imagine like, uh trying to get one of your friends to come to the park with you. The whole time you're trying to convince them to come to the park with you, you're telling them about all the rules of the park. Right. Instead of like the merry-go-round or the swings, you can swing this high and you can jump. We've done so many things so backwards for so long. Like right. oh, that doesn't make any sense. When you, yeah. when you look at it, like in the metaphor, like, and you look at it, you know, back into the text, like you're like, oh yeah, like we've, this is, this is much easier to do it this way than that way. Right, yeah, it's much easier to tell people about Jesus and the life that <laughs> is on offer than it is to try to convince them of a set of rules. So this week, you had some really tough things to say this week. I, I, have, I have like two points here, like towards the end that like, I was like, oh, these are really like calling us to make a decision. Like yeah. there's a, there's an action that must be taken here. So I thought like, wow, like this is really meaty for this week. You talked about the family of God this week and it's our job to bring others into the family. Kind of went through how God created Adam and Eve mm -hmm. uh, within family, how even before Adam and Eve, God was family and had communion within himself, then moves through uh, Abraham. One of the things you said was God has chosen to fix the problem of Adam and Eve 
the problem uh, of sin and the problems that we face today with family. Yeah, like for whatever reason, I mean, certainly we're not saying that this is the way that God has to do it because obviously he's a sovereign God, he can do whatever he wants to. Right. But the model that we have in the text is that he's called people to create this family and it's through this family. Obviously the big example of that is Israel. Yeah. He's chosen to work through family, his family, to bring about his purposes in the world. And I think, yeah, the history rehearsed was obviously first God himself in community with himself uh, as, a, as the Trinity, then Adam and Eve, a sort of that, that small initial family. Uh, then he called the family of Noah, obviously to sort oh, of yeah. recreate the world. And then uh, things still aren't going well. So he calls Abraham and creates this new family uh, of Israel. And then the whole project of Jesus is coming to create brothers and sisters, expand the family. And this is the time when the family moves beyond Judaism and the Jewish nation and is expanded to Gentiles. And then the, the, the whole history of, or a lot of the New Testament is discussions about how we be that family. Like what are the rules, how do we treat each other? How do we handle people outside the family? But it all centers around this new reality or community or a family that God's created. And getting into some of that, like how the early church treated each other, they were known for their love for each other. Like, yeah. And it really was like that, that family feel uh, I think it's a lot of like what we're missing. Like some of the things that you talked about is like we come to church on Sunday and we leave and we're not we're not feeling connected. We're not feeling refreshed. We're not feeling rejuvenated because Sunday doesn't do it all. We have yeah. to have yeah. something I, in between. It, it is the culture of the church that we have been given sort of the expectation and the understanding of how the church works. And by that, I mean the people of God is that uh, it's sort of a Sunday thing that we come to this place, we gather, we hear a message and we sing some songs and we go home. And there was a time when you would come back on Wednesday, you know, Wednesday night right. church. Um, and, and some churches probably still do that. Shout out to my Wednesday night churches. There you go. <laughs> uh, but even that, I, you know, my experience is that's been sort of falling off. Yeah. So we we are left with, in most situations, this church experience, this experience of being the people of God that is relegated to an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours, Sunday morning, which doesn't cut it, right? Right. I mean, if if we understand we're supposed to be a family and be living life together, like how do you do that in an hour? Well, let's be honest, like Sunday morning, you come in, you say hi to somebody, you sit down and then you're participating in worship, hopefully, and listening. And then you stand up and you say goodbye to them. Like the actual family interaction is like 10, 15 minutes. Right. Like, how are you gonna develop community? How are you gonna do the thing that God really is calling us to do in that amount of time? And we talked about how like the way that we have created Sunday services that most churches experience them, like that that can't, it just can't do it. It can't function to be the family gathering or the time when we experience life and we're, you know, we're talking about the problems. I mean, like we all need, we, we want that. We wanna be known, we wanna know other people. We wanna share our, our worries and the things that we're thinking about and we're worried about. and the great thing that happened yesterday. And, and you have to make, you have to be intentional about making time for that to happen. And that's gonna have to happen. Uh, you know, like obviously the, the trend is small groups, but you just have to orient your life around the people who are doing church with you and realize that you have to be in communication with them throughout the week to right. do the thing we're called to do. Like just, there's just no other way to do it. <laughs> yeah, like, and like being intentional about it, like growing up, my dad, you know, maybe three, four nights out of the week would say, all right, it's family time everybody in the living room and we'd, we'd play a board game. We talk like we talk over the TV. Uh, I don't know how other families do it, but my, my family, we turn on the TV and then we talk over it. <laughs> um, 
I don't know if that's because we're loud and we just need something in the background or or what it is. Like all these times as a teenager, like being aggravated, like, oh, we got to do family time. But like, I didn't realize like this is how my parents were figuring out what was going on in my life. So yeah. like my parents were real connected with like, hey, this is going on. He's doing this. He's not doing that. Like, this is how he's feeling. That's what kept us close. And when this, when that time, when I got older, you know, and I spent more time away from the house and I missed out on family night, like it, there was a disconnect right. between our relationship as a family. Because my parents didn't know what was going on in my life uh, because I wasn't participating in family time. I think just the being intentional about the time together uh, is super important. But like, it's very countercultural because we live in a individual, right. individualistic society. We're not doing things like the rest of the world is doing them where it's individualistic. We're working as a family and we're doing what's good for the, the best of the family. Uh, and that is, uh, that is very different from what else is going on. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like we, the propensity to find ourselves thinking individualistically as modern American Western church people, you know, we, you know, we have this whole culture around a personal relationship with Jesus, right? And it's not that that doesn't exist, but that's not it, right? That's, right. that's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to just like be your best friend over in the corner. You hear that TikTok, right? Christian TikTok? <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he, he didn't, like a person, there's no personal relationship in the Bible right? The, the Bible is the story of a people of God in relationship with God. I'm not saying that you can't go off and have time of prayer, whether that's contemplative prayer or however you do your prayer, or, you know, whatever, and, and connect with God. You certainly can. And, and I've had that experience. I know you have, and we all have, but you also can't be a part of the family of God and not realize that Jesus is made real and present in the community. It is in gathering. I mean, wherever two or three are gathered, I am there also. He didn't say wherever you grab your Bible and go study and do your daily devotion, I am there. Now it's not saying he's not right. in, in some way, but Jesus was very adamant about the fact that it's in the gathering that he shows up, you know, and, and it's Peter that tells us that we're the spiritual stones that we build the temple and the temple is the place where God lives, right? And so we, we together as, as the church are the place where God is made manifest in the world. And we have to realize, like you have to realize that. If we don't, then where, where's God manifest, right? God is not made real in the world if we're just all going about our own individual things, thinking we're, we got it together. I mean, it's when we come together and do the things that God wants us to do that real kingdom is made. Yeah, and I don't feel like if you're studying the word by yourself, if you're uh, praying by yourself, you, you don't have to work that out with anyone. You know, like, so you don't, there's not a community of believers where you come and say, you know, something you found in scripture. There's no one to say, hey, I don't think so. I don't think right. that's what they meant there. So you're, and you're going to gain more understanding when, when your beliefs are challenged, you're going to understand more because, you know, another believer says, hey, I don't think that's right. Or, hey, did you see this? It makes it awkward talking to people about your faith because you haven't been talking to anyone about your faith because you're doing it alone. Right. right. <laughs> and well, the other piece of that is you get really defensive. Oh yeah. Because you're, you're not used to working through these issues. Oh, that's good. And you've just sort of, uh, we, we find ourselves finding our way to books or podcasts or whatever that that are from pastors or theologians that sort of create an echo chamber that just reinforce the ways we already think. And yeah. so when you get into a situation where someone thinks different than you, the default is just to be defensive rather than sort of putting it out on the table and saying, okay, well, let's, t let's talk about this. Like one of my favorite responses to a lot of challenges and, and other ways of thinking is 
you might be right. Let's talk about that. And, and to do so like, honestly, you know, we've talked before about there are, there are core doctrines of the Christian faith that need to be held. You know, the right. sort of central things that uh, really aren't up for debate. Uh, I, I even like talking about those. They're, they're not something that I'm going to ultimately change my mind about. Um, that, that's, you know, the core tenets of Orthodox Christianity. Like that's in my brain, like that's settled. But part of that is because I've worked through that. Right. But outside of that, like, you might be right. Let's talk about that. And I think most often, most people are not ultimately going to have their minds changed through those conversations, but it at least gives you an opportunity to rethink and think through what you believe again. Yeah. If it's not true and it can't hold up to the scrutiny, well, then you probably should be rethinking that. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a valuable practice to be going through. Having that in the context of family where you're having a conversation, like you have, you have a brother, like, I have a brother, like, I'm sure you've gotten in heated arguments with your brother and then- A time or two. Or even fist fights with your brother <laughs> and then been able to continue to play less than an hour later. Right. So like with family, it gives us kind of that safeguard to like, we can have a real tough conversation and it still be okay because well, this is my brother. Like, yeah. we just forgive each other and move on. Like, right. um, you know, so seeing it as a family and, and using the the family analogy, like, I feel like gives you more room to be wrong. Cause like I've said a bunch of dumb stuff to my brother and I, he doesn't hold it against me, you know, right. like it is what it is. It's family. So, yeah. Well, and I think we're both dads now of young kids oh, yeah. and you watch your kids grow. Like I don't expect my kids to know everything now or behave right a hundred percent of the time, you know, and I think in the family of God, there also has to be this expectation understanding that like the other members of the family are at different stages than you are. Oh yeah. You are not as far as long as someone else and they need to grant you the grace to grow and change and be challenged and to challenge and to push back. And those of us who are a little further along need to grant the grace to other people to go through that process, to, to mature, right? That it's, it's not like you become Christian and we hand you a book of doctrine and you know it all. <laughs> it's just not the way it works. Christianity in the Bible is, is very much like what my dad told me the first time I put a guitar, he put a guitar in my hands, right? In high school. I started playing. He said, this is the easiest instrument to play and it is also the hardest instrument to play, right? It's real easy to spend a few hours and start to like form chord shapes. You can play D, C, and G and throw an E minor and play for hours and sound like you know what you're doing. Now you wanna play classical guitar? Get ready for years and years of study and it gets very complex very quickly. Yeah. Um, And studying the Bible is sort of the, the same way, I think. Like there are basic principles that are clear and evident God loves you. We mess up. It's okay. He's going to fix it. He still loves you. Try better. Do better, right? Go sin no more. Going back to the way in which we, the church, approach the world is, is usually rules. You really think people don't know that the world's broken? <laughs> like, yeah. Do you really think there's one person that doesn't know that there are things about themselves that aren't the way they should be, right? Like, yeah. that's not something we need to be hard. It's something certainly we talk about. We don't ignore that reality, but do you really think you have to convince people that they're sinful? People know this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. So like that's just sort of like a basic principle. And so we can we can go with sort of those those easy messages, I think, to begin with. And you can get people started. You can start playing the guitar with a couple chords, right? Yeah. You can start you can get into the family of God real easy by understanding, hey, Jesus is the one who fixes it for me. Without even knowing what all needs to be fixed. Right. But then there's a lot to be learned. The biblical text is complicated. There are points at which it intertwines and debates amongst itself. And those things can be teased out and you can get real deep in the reeds real quick. 
Yeah. And it was one of those, it's one of those things like the more questions you have, you find an answer to one question and what it does is it reveals three or four more questions. Right. And so you're just constantly sort of digging into it and redefining and rethinking what you assume to be the case. Like that's just, it's, it's the process. Yeah. You know, and in family, you know, back to sort of thinking about our kids, you have to allow people to work through these things for themselves. You need to let your children figure out and you need to let other people in the family got figure some things out for themselves. And yep. you have to be okay with them being wrong and making mistakes from yeah. time to time. Because I said so is not always like a good answer. Like to you, I'm raising kids now. <laughs> sometimes you're just like frustrated with your kids. and like, because I said so, do right. it. Yeah. But like, sometimes you have to like, let them mess up, you know, don't yeah. play on the stairs. All right. I've told him three times today not to play on the stairs. I'm going to let someone fall, you know, and like, they're not going to die on the stairs, you know, right. they're three steps up, but it's going to hurt when yeah. they have to step. And when I come over and say, hey, buddy, next time, like I said, don't play on the stairs. It sets in yeah. a little more. Yeah. So like, we so, don't, I think in our culture though, we've, we've created this because I do it because I said so. Right. Like, this is, this right. is why we don't do this. This is like, you're not even going to offer an explanation. A lot of times it's like, no, no's not always good enough. We need yeah. a why. Sure. You know? Have you had this experience where like you say it to your kids because I said so, and then they say why, and then all of a sudden you're stuck with, I don't actually have any good reason. Yes. And you have to be like, you know what? Yeah, you can do that, right? Yeah. I think that happens too. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's part of this back and forth and sort of maturing process. Oh yeah, where that's like, good. That's good. You know, like you just have assumed that's the way it is because that's the always that's what it was. It's the way it's always been, right? Right. That's what I was told. And that's the way it is because that's what God said. Yeah. And then if you're in tune and willing to have people challenge you and answer and think through the question, somebody says, well, why? And instead of saying, because that's the way it is, you stop and think about it and you think, oh, wait a minute, maybe it's not that way, right? Right. And I do believe pretty strongly, like if you're not willing to change your mind and be challenged, you're not a disciple. Yeah. What it means, I mean, disciple means student, learner. Yeah. Do we really think we've got it all figured out? Do you honestly feel as a Christian, you have the answer to everything? <laughs> well, no. There's no way. <laughs> no way, absolutely not. And if you do, see ya. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. You're either Jesus yeah. or you're just confused. Yeah. And so I think we have to have a humility and a disciple's heart and spirit and attitude that we are constantly learning. Yeah, yeah I, I, we don't see Jesus take that, the attitude of like, because I said so. Even in like in scripture, I just, I don't see him take that stance. He leads these guys through these things. He gives them, you know, guidance. And, and when they mess up, they're like, he's like, hey, this is how you do this. You don't see Jesus rebuking them a whole lot. You know, he has like a lot of patience for these, these people. Yeah. And even when he needs to correct them, he does so. I mean, the, the rabbinic tradition is a lot like we think of gurus where, you know, that's sort of the, the stereotype now is you find the guru on the mountain and you go and they, they just pose questions to you to make you think, but that's, that's the way yeah. rabbis worked, you know? And, and that's one of the reasons we get these sort of like cryptic parables right. from Jesus. Even when he needs to correct somebody, it's not, this is the way it is. It's, oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah. here's a story. Think through this, come back. We'll talk about it later. You know, that, yeah. that's sort of, dynamic. And I think, you know, when we're talking about being a family and being the people of God, part of that is engaging with each other in these conversations that really are, are in some ways never ending. Right. Right. It's just, we're constantly thinking and rethinking and pushing each other and challenging each other and hopefully growing and letting go of some of the things that we assume to be the case that we're not finding or probably don't fit. And it's being that transformed into the, the image of God. It's, it's through that process. It's through the family of God that you do that. You're not going to do that sitting at home 
reading text, reading daily devotional. You can be challenged, certainly. I'm not going to say yeah, that, that look, nothing comes of that. That's certainly fruitful. Yeah. Um, like we want to do that. Like that's nece- I think a necessary part, right? Like of our of our growth, or like at least it's an expedient part of our growth to be studying and reading the word. Yeah, yeah. On our own. Yeah. Like, I'm not at, like at all like, saying don't do that. <laughs> Like, just to clarify, yeah, yeah, please yeah. read your Bible at home by yourself. Right. Yeah, uh, but then but, bring it to the community. That's right. Yeah, and, and I think that's it's what we're missing a lot. Of, it's funny because like uh, growing up, being a part of youth groups, and and I know you were in a really good youth group, and I, I was in a really good youth group where we hung out with each other and we did have conversations about what we thought and what we believed, and yeah. I experienced more growth then mm-hmm. than maybe the next you know eight nine years of not having those conversations because I'm not in a, you know, you start having a family, getting married and, right. and all of a sudden you're not as much of a part of the community because it's not there. Right. Um, Cause we're busy with our lives and we, we go to church on Sunday and then we have kids things to do throughout the week and we don't connect with other Christians right. and there's not the community there. Yeah. Um, so the, the times in my faith where I was challenged the most, where I grew the most were the times when I was in uh, community. And I think that goes to, you know, like, Obviously, the challenge that was thrown out there Sunday for for Emmanuel was it was one of the pointed parts where I was a little nervous, but I yeah. kept it in there. Was you know I, we made I made the point that like if you fail to be family, God will not use you. And the phrase I used was there is no negotiation on this point. I, I have that written down. Yeah, <laughs> it says no 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 negotiation in my notes. Like yeah, like this is not this is not something where you can take it or leave it. This is the way that God has always worked does work. This is the model that he's been giving to us for thousands and thousands of years. If you refuse to partake and be a part of a family, well, then you, you're outside Christianity, right? Yeah. If Jesus came to build a family and you say, I don't want to be part of that family. Well, are you even a Christian? Yeah. Like that's a, like, like your, your call as, as, a, as a, like there's a lot of focus, I think right now on finding your calling. Yeah. You're not going to find it outside of the family. The being engaged in that family and uh, the extension of that family, like it, it is, it's crucial and it's fundamental to our faith. So if we're not doing those things, the crucial, the fundamental, the non-negotiable things, are we really Christians? That's like a deeper yeah. question you have to ask to yourself. Right. Like, You're not a fully functioning Christian in the way that the the Bible talks about being a Christian, right? You're not, you're right. not incorporated into the body of Christ. You're not a fully functioning member. Right. We can talk about, you know, the theological status of Christianity or not, right? Yeah. And ultimately that's between you and God, like you said, but. Well, like the one of the things that I see a lot uh, is Christians saying, you know, Christ died for you, Christ died for me. But in reality, like as you look through, through the scriptures, he died for the church. Right. Um, he died for this family right. that we were to create and extend. And he didn't, he didn't die for you or me. He died for his bride, which is the church, which is the family of God. You're talking about the need to read and then bring it to the family. And oh, yeah. the challenge was like, we, we got to, especially right now in the midst of a pandemic when we can't be meeting and gathering and, you know, throwing parties and having potlucks and, you know, block parties and all the stuff that we want to do, we'd want to do. Um, like we, we have to find ways to, to continue to be in community and, basically right now it's like zoom small groups or something like that. Yeah. It's just going to be the way that has to be at least for the next few months. We actually had some friends in West Virginia. <laughs> we would go to Dunkin' Donuts in our cars 
and we would just roll the windows down <laughs> and yeah. like yell back and forth to each other. Like right. sometimes it's hard with kids because sure. like your kids are like, we yeah. want to get outside. Right. And so we take yeah. turns letting our kids get outside and run around the van and we get our kids in, yeah. they would get their kids out. Yeah. That's also like, uh, that was kind of a fun thing to do. Right. Um, but like, yeah, it's very difficult right now to create community. As that gets sort of off the ground here and you know, for anybody else who's listening to this, like thinking, hey, I need to get into a small group or I wanna start a small group or find people to be family with. And there's that awkward moment where you get together and you're like, what do we talk about? Right? Like, <laughs> here's a very practical first step. Well, before you meet, you all need to be reading, right? Oh yeah, yeah. This is, this is kind of like the way it works, right? If, if you're all reading throughout the week, and I'm not saying you gotta sit down and read like four chapters a day, even just reading a passage and then meditating. Don't don't leave it, right? Meditate that on that throughout the day, throughout the week. You do that a couple times a week, a few times a week, and then you get together with your group, and then you just start by talking about what's rolling through your head. Yeah. Right. If you read just a passage for three, four, five days a week, there's going to be something in there that you're not quite sure about. Yeah. Or that has got your brain spinning. And just be willing to come to the group and say, here, here's what I read. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's the questions I have. Here's uh, a new insight I had out of that. What do you guys think? And sometimes like you're right on the money and everybody's like, yeah, that's awesome. And they have questions to you. Other times you're gonna throw it out there and people are like, that's crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and be ready for that yeah. and be humble enough to, to, to get pushed back and say, okay, well, talk to me about why. And then allow the community to kind of work through that. Yeah. Like you said, that's that's the kind of family when everybody's growing and maturing and we feeling connected to each other and to God. Um, and it's, it's a really easy way to get started. Yeah, yeah. And like looking at a scripture, I have my interpretation of that scripture. I hear your interpretation, sister so-and-so's, brother so-and-so. Yeah. You have 12 interpretations of the scripture. You're, the, the amount of revelation that you're able to receive from right. that scripture is, yeah. it's much broader. Like, and you know, like someone like you might bring the historical context to it. Like someone might, you know, have some great analogies. It's actually too, where like the gifts that God gives the church are actually found in those places. Yeah, we're not all gifted with everything. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes, takes coming together as a group Yeah, to, to bring all those gifts to bear. And we're all better off for having done that. So what else are you thinking coming off of Christmas season as we get into the new year? Just pumped up for the new year. Like um, last year was so tough. We know what we're in now though. You know, like there's no surprise on what's going to go on in 21. Don't say that. Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, just wait, bro. Okay. <laughs> but I think we've, surely for our lifetime, we have been faced with the most difficult time for a church in America for our lifetime. Like this has been the most difficult that I can remember. I don't remember anything where it was like, hey, you can't meet together. Hey, you can't go over to family's houses. Like that's, it's difficult. Um, mm -hmm. So we've actually had the time to kind of work through what works best. Uh, we find out meeting in person at this moment yeah. wasn't working the best. Having gone through that last year, like, and seeing how resilient the church is and like, okay, we already have a new idea, like of how we're going to do this because right. we have like things like community, fundamental and integral to what we're doing. But we've, we've figured that out. Kind of proved to me that like this, this thing isn't going to get snuffed out. Like right. church, churches, uh, Christianity is not going to get snuffed out by like whatever kind of pressure we have. Like we find a way that to me is like the most exciting thing about the, the new year. Like, oh yeah, we, we still can figure out how to figure it out. I think that that really is a result of what we've been talking about this whole time. Like 
if church really is the community of people, the family of God, well, that's going to exist regardless, right? That's that's not going away. Yeah. We just have to find creative ways to stay connected. Well, some of the things that have gone away though, like it revealed what we did have and didn't have as a church. And I think a lot of churches found out we don't have a family. Right. We have a group of people that meet on Sundays. Yeah. And when our Sunday services stopped happening as a, as a group, our numbers fell off and, and uh, people stopped communicating to each other. Right. Having those things revealed and laid bare, mm-hmm. those are the kind of things that happen during a time like a pandemic. And you're like, okay, I have to rethink this. Yeah, I think that's been one of the blessings that's come out of this, the ways that it's been sort of used and one of the lessons we can learn is, I think we've all had an opportunity, hopefully we've taken, taken advantage of it to do some of that like soul searching and, and rethinking and recalibrating things. Going into the new year, like having already, re- like a lot of times we wait till the new year to, and we go through these the, the fast at the beginning of the year, like and reprioritize kind of our life. Yeah. We've gone through basically nine months of, of almost, it's not like a fast, but it's, we've had a lot of things cut out of our lives. We, we've yeah. had the time to reflect this year. Yeah. Uh, whether we wanted it or not. Right. You got it. Yeah. God does work all things together for the good for those of them that believe. Like for me, this was a, a big year. It just causes me to kind of have a fresh take on what I'm doing, what's important, and uh, what I've what I've been doing that's just like has wasted my time and has not been productive for the kingdom of God or myself. Yeah, so New Year, excited to get rolling on that. Uh, one of the things that I think is real beneficial that has come out of this is uh, having to be forced to do church in an online sort of distanced fashion. We've, we're getting better at that, doing things like this podcast. And yeah. that's allowed certainly our, our work and our family to expand beyond just the local community. And so that's, that's exciting. I've got some ideas we're gonna roll out. Yeah. You and I haven't even talked about yet for uh, ways that like church can, this church can be more than just what it is locally. So that's amazing. Yeah. So if you're out there listening to this and you want to be more than just a listener to a podcast and become part of a community that we're talking about, like stay tuned. We got things coming for that. Well, then we will jump off here with thanks for hanging out with us today. We will catch you next week.